Okay, welcome to the QKB Community Spotlight. Queensland Kettlebells is a friendly gym in East Brisbane practicing strength for life. Find out a little bit about what makes our awesome members tick, their hints, tips, and why they do what they do. Uh, today I'm talking to Margie Martin. Margie works for the government and recently visited the rodeo. Rodeo, rodeo. Uh, Margie, tell us about yourself, how you found our community, and what you do during the week. Okay, all right, so I found out about QKB through my cousin, Frances, who trains in a similar way over in Perth, and I'd been sort of watching what she does online for the last couple of years and really like the, I guess you say, philosophy behind it, the mentality with the mm. kind of training, and um, so I was searching for similar stuff and lucked out because you were near to where I live, which means mm. that that removed one of my major obstacles to never actually getting off my ass and doing any exercise. So that's kind of how it came about. And then when I contacted Frances, my cousin, to ask her if she knew you, then all the jots connected in a in a beautiful symbiotic way, and here we are. Yeah, awesome. Um, Frances is one of those incredible people um, that's always putting stuff on onto the internet that you look at and kind of go, oh wow, that's that's pretty awesome. I know uh, she really posts really lame stuff, which is annoying because it just goes to show what a cool person she is. <laughs> <laughs> we don't um, need to tell her that. She yeah, knows yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she won't listen to this. Um, no. <laughs> so, yeah, um, and I kind of glossed past it, but I meant to meant to get you to talk a little bit about the radio because. You know, that's um I figure that's a really cool cool experience and you and Michael talked about it and it was great. So tell us a little bit about the rodeo. Yeah, well I just I I take pleasure in going to regional events, particularly nearby stuff, which is easy to get to. I think yeah. there's a wonderful part um of our Australian culture and our community that you can tap into when you go to regional event events if they're just little agricultural shows or you know, like if they've got some craft show on or model making or whatever, it's just a chance to go and see other people doing their thing mm. in a way that can feel surprising and um, really refreshingly different from what we do. Um, and, you know, it really reminds you that Australia isn't just what you're about yourself and what your own family and your own circle is about and that there's a lot more to it um, as there is in any culture. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and culture is something that I really love. Um, you asked me a bit before about what I do for work. I, I work for a federal government department, which cannot be mentioned. Um, and, um, uh, but what I do love about that work, while it can be extremely challenging at times, um, is that it brings me into contact with um, people from different ethnic backgrounds and cultural backgrounds, and I'm constantly in an environment where I'm learning about um, other cultures and groups and their motivations and, um, you know, specific aspects about their cultural um, norms and, you know, aspects of their language. And I just love that. I love that I get exposed to that all the time and that I'm constantly having to learn about it. So that's one of the parts of my job that I do really love. Mm, that's, that's cool. And so do you have, have you always had like an anthropological bent? Like do you, have you always found people and cultures and historical 
practices really interesting or is that something that kind of grew on you? Yeah, look, maybe um, in an indirect way, I would say I've had a passion for the human the human condition or the human experience that's been with me. So um, I, I first came, like my sort of uni background, psych and sociology, but um, not anthropology, but I do love reading about um, different religions and different cultures um, and different philosophies. And it's probably more through philosophy and things like that that I've come into it. Mm. Um, and I really love traveling, but um, more and more as I, as I, um, as I, you know, progress through life, it's that's become, I guess, a bit more specific. Yeah, one thing's mm. kind of morphed into another. Yeah. Okay, awesome. But I, va- I value it, you know, because I think it, mm, it speaks to, I guess, one of my own key philosophies, which is about universal, you know, universality, like the thing that we are, I have a belief that we're all, you know, connected and that all of humanity mm. is interconnected. And, and so this is um, really a way of exploring that, you know. The, the interrelationship and, of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, what's the number one thing that you do that you feel helps to make your life awesome, Margie? Um, listen to people with compassion um, and look look for the humanity in, in others, wherever mm. they're from or whatever. Like I, you know, love that phrase, like everybody has a story, you know. Mm. We all have a story, a history, a background, and um, I think... Um, at a human level, um, yeah, just that that um, to reach for that recognition and to try and um, imagine the world from someone else's heart, their fears, their life, their hopes, you know, I think that's a that's something I really like doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when not people, when anything but people, so whether it's architecture or nature or whatever, then just loving beauty yep Mm. admiring and seeing the beauty and things so kind of what makes me tick a bit yeah yeah awesome Uh, and look that's those things are are probably part of why you've you kind of arrived and just fit straight into to our our group i'm making really active hand gestures at the moment um which is (laughs) unusual but um I'm kind of as i said that i kind of wave my hands down to kind of show that you kind of came in and just dropped in like a puzzle piece into the right spot um I that's keep, really lovely thank yeah, you <laughs> i could keep on describing my hands as they try and do things but that's they're quite active right now <laughs> oh we need television so we can see it <laughs> yeah um, well you um, keep doing your liturgical dance and we'll just keep talking <laughs> yeah um, it's not weird at all it's not. <laughs> yeah um <laughs> It's like uh, it's like that audio for visually impaired. I'm trying to create that sort of environment with our our, um, our discussion. Um, Maybe that's what we could do. We could just weird this out and not talk for the rest of it, and just do like <laughs> fancy signals and see if everyone can pick up on what we're doing or not. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we'd lose people pretty quickly at that point. I'm thinking that wouldn't be interesting <laughs> at all to listen to you, right? Yeah, bad idea. <laughs> Um, I can't remember where I was going. Um, I don't know. Anyway, ask another question. Yeah, tell us about your athletic background, Maggie. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, mostly it's consisted of um, 
you know, three core things, digestion, respiration, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then sleeping in any place at any time. Yeah. Um, look, I, I have a very loose, you know, um, athletic background. Once before in my life, I really got into yoga and swimming in a good way, and that was only mm. a few years ago. Yeah. Um, I like individual type pursuits, things that I can really um, bring, like, you know center into a bit meditative mm. like so not really team sports never really got to have a go at that as a kid so mm. um yeah so I like walking yoga swimming um but I really like kettlebells because of the community and like so the people if the people thing wasn't right I just wouldn't show up mm. so I do love that um what you offer the community the sense of community that you offer um and just how cool everyone else is and how welcoming they've been mm. um but I like this because it's learning something and I just love learning stuff. So this is the process of this really, really um, floats my boat. So, yeah. But otherwise, I'm pretty lame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we're very process-oriented. I think people who come in and who aren't intending to think when they train probably mm. aren't going to last hugely long as a part of our group. Because um, yeah. it is very much about learning to know your body a little bit and enjoying enjoying that experience around people who are enjoyable to be around. I think. Yeah, and I think like it's really got a growth component, a growth process component to it that I really dig. Yeah, mm. rather than you know end goals and stuff. But that said, I just love boring you know anyone who'll listen to me by telling them how much I can swing now in terms of how many kilos because it's just such a novel thing for me to have that to talk about yeah as yeah. opposed to how much chocolate I consumed the night before <laughs> it's, it's it's a nice shift yeah and to give people an idea of this so Margie came in and um initially I think you were swinging the 12 um, no no Piz it was the eight let's be okay honest. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Marky came in and was swinging. Don't try to glamorise this. It's like all the hand gestures in the world isn't going to make this any better than what it is. <laughs> so so Marky was swinging an eight kilo bell for sets of five initially, um, and it would have been two weeks ago. Um, we were doing our doing Jeff Newport's uh, kettlebell one program as kind of our core underlying swing activity and Margie did 45 seconds uh, per minute of swing with the 16 kilo bell uh, for seven minutes which is just a phenomenal amount of work that's, that's about 30 swings a minute for seven minutes um, and I'm trying to do the maths in my head right now um, but 210 by 16 equates to about um, 3.6 3.7 tonne which yeah, well, so my hand gesture is just like a little fist pump for myself at the moment. <laughs> Although I would do that, except my arms are too tired because I came to training tonight. So <laughs> it's a virtual fist pump for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> but no, it's good. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And do you have a specific goal at the moment? Um, mm, no, I'd like to lose a little bit of weight. Like that, mm. that was part of it. But just to be stronger. And um, like at the start of the year, I just sort of wanted to get stronger and then to develop a better range of movement again. Like mm. I really enjoyed that with my yoga when I was doing it like consistently 
just the range of motion, the um, strength, stability um, and flexibility that I had. So this is adding a strength component to the rest of those attributes, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, that's what this has got over yoga. And, um, yeah, so, no, that that's pretty much it. And to stick it out for the year, that's really my goal, Piers, because mm. I give up on stuff all the time. Mm. Like I, I love the idea of stuff and then I get into it and then I love the idea of something else. So yeah. my, my key challenge is actually to stick this out and that's the promise that I've made to myself for this year is to make it to the end of the year mm. and just do something. And this will be the first time I've ever stuck at exercise for that long, yeah, because the longest I'd been before was about nine months. So... That that's really my goal. Yeah, is consistency. I think consistency is a really valuable goal. It's um, it's, you know, there's there's a quote from from Bruce Lee that uh, that that Mark Rifkin has has adapted, but it's it talks about how um, you know consistency trumps intensity every time. Mm. Um, you know, you, you can come in and you can do something really well once, but if you come in and you do something pretty well a hundred times, mm. it's going to crush the person who just does it well every, you know, every three weeks. So the people who do a little bit every day, long term, mm. have just phenomenal, phenomenal outcomes. And that's, that's for just about everything, eh? If you, if you put a little bit of money away every year for your whole life, you, you end up with, with a lot more than the majority of people who put a, a chunk away now and then... Yeah, and hope for another windfall at some point or, yeah, yeah. another opportunity to sort of make, make a big contribution in that way. No, you're absolutely mm. right. It's interesting, though, because I think different qualities, um, you know, people have different aspirations and are driven by different things and, and I don't know that consistency is easy for... A lot of people, you know, um, I think it, it's definitely worth striving for. Yeah. Um, and I agree with what you're saying, but I'm not sure. I think that, you know, a lot of people are driven by shorter term things now and um, quick wins, you know, and yeah. they have their place too, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, and, and I think you use some of those things to drop, to create consistency. Little little wins every now and then are the things that help us to to come back to the trough Absolutely, because seriously, unless you really got that delay of gratification shit down when you're a kid, mm. like then um, you need the little wins to keep you going. Because yeah, I don't know how other people find it, but that whole long term thing, I think mm. it's it's hard to keep that in in sight. You know, sometimes yeah, it's not very sexy, is it? Not a really, lot of the no. time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the last book you read, and what was the best thing about it? Okay, um, I just finished reading a really great book and it's called The Five Invitations. I just got it out at the library um, and mm. it's by an author called Frank Ostuski. Um, Maciek would be able to help me with that pronunciation. Um, yeah, it's O-S-T-A-S-E-S-K-I, I think it's Ostuski. But he's basically a, a, a gent who was running, and the book's called, you know, The Five Invitations, Discovering What death can teach us about living fully mm. so it's a really beautiful book that is about living um like for people who are not dealing with death caring for people who are dying or going through the death process mm. um the dying process then you know it's about living with integrity so mm. i think it's a book for people at all stages of life um it is really well written 
Um, the author has a lot of experience working in um, a hospice that he was part of and founded in the States. Mm. Um, but it's really beautiful. And I think a lot of the, like, there's a lot of mindfulness in it. And um, he's from a Buddhist background spiritually. Mm. Um, so that kind of sits easy with me. But, um, yeah, I just thought it was a really good book for people who've got parents who are ageing or um, even if you're just at the start of your life and you're young and you're gung-ho, I think there's some really good, um, you know, markers here for things that you can check in with about with yourself, you know, mm. and what you're striving for and how, how you envisage um, the process of living. And, yeah, I just thought it was a really beautiful book and I just grabbed it and um, it was a, a great surprise. And it's a new publication. So mm. I um, it's out in the bookstores and stuff too at the moment, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Mm. Um, Sorry, it probably sounds a bit morbid, but it's actually a really good book. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I um, I really like a lot of that. That uh, I don't know if I really like is the right term, but I appreciate a lot of those those sorts of things. The the things where people uh, learn to appreciate what they've got and to, I guess, just just be aware of the world around them. Which, if I'm understanding it correctly it sounds like this this um this book kind of gives you a framework of of doing that and then processing some of what's going on yeah absolutely i think you've really captured that well and um it's you know really about living mindfully living in the now a lot of that sort of stuff which I, you know is is being written about widely but i believe is just good stuff yeah mm. to think about yeah yeah and what's your favorite food Margaret? This is an important question. Um, I'm going to say pork crackling, but like, I don't even know if that's a food, any kind of <laughs> rendered animal fat. Let's just not be too specific. Yeah. Um, and I do really love sweets as well. Um, but if, you know, like my uncle had a gallbladder issue and after eating um, pork belly and he can't eat pork belly anymore and, and mm. that to me almost feels like a crime against humanity <laughs> so I mean sorry no offense to any of our um, colleagues who have a different you know mindset about um, eating meat and things like mm. that but yeah for me that's um, yeah my life would be sad without pork crackling yeah, yeah. or pork belly or bacon or <laughs> mm. um, mm. <laughs> yeah we um you, you you miss this, but we a couple of years ago had a Christmas event and we got this suckling pig, um, <sighs> and I never really got the pork crackling thing until we had this this um oh my stars and yeah um, it was just this this really thin layer of and we actually had had it on the spit at the gym. Um, Oh, stop it. My mouth is watering. I've eaten dinner and everything. And I actually had a pork cutlet tonight with this really yummy salad that I made with like shaved fennel and apple and caramelized onions and stuff and rocket. Mm. And, but I'm now you're talking about that. I'm like, <laughs> I, I want to get out of my PJs and into my car and just go and hunt some suckling pig down. It's yeah. probably not a good thing. Yeah, I, you're I, right. I won't get out of my PJs. I'll just go in my PJs. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a better better choice for the uh, the store store owners. <laughs> well, um, you can you can recreate that moment with the, <laughs> the the animal on the spit at the at kettlebells anytime you want. I'd be totally on board for that. Uh, I think it's highly unlikely. Our um our ratio of uh, of 
of meat eaters to vegetarians has swung wildly away from that. So I don't think that'll ever happen again. Oh, look, I'm a huge fan of salt and pepper silken tofu, like, you know, fried tofu. Yeah, we could do a tofu spit. I'm sure that's a thing. (laughs) Just think marshmallows. It's soft stuff, getting gooey on a stick over a fire. Yeah. Good. Yeah, good. Tell me about your hobbies, Margie. Um, hobbies. Um... Contemplation? Yeah. <laughs> is, is contemplation a hobby? I don't think so. It doesn't sound very fun, does it? Does it? Hey, I've just started a ceramics class like that I'm doing for 10 weeks nice. on um, Saturday afternoons at West End. It's very – like it's a really good setup. It's a mm. proper studio. Um, so I'm enjoying that at the moment. Yeah, I do like a bit of creative stuff on the side, so photography or, you know, anything tactile using hands. Mm. I wish I had a shed. Yeah. And all of the power tools and all of the timber in the world, but that hasn't happened yet. One day it will, hopefully. Um, reading, lots and lots of reading. I love yeah. learning and reading. And seriously, contemplation, daydreaming. I just love yeah. daydreaming and stuff like that. And, yeah, spending time with friends, that's about it. But I don't collect shit, really. I just yeah. – um, um, I like antiques and stuff. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. Do you, do you find when you do the contemplation, when you, you – when you create that space to just sit and be, mm-hmm. do you find that you have creative leaps and things like that that you, where you ha- find kind of disparate concepts coming together to create interesting new things? Um, probably the most creative thinking I get with that, sometimes in meditating, but when I'm swimming. So mm. when I'm doing laps, like... Um, in the pool, my first 10 is just like whatever's at the forefront of your brain, so whatever you're stressed about or angry about or whatever. Mm. But then I find like by the time I'm into about laps, sort of the the 10 laps around 20 or 30, Mm. that then my brain starts to go into like what I call wonder thinking where Mm. it's like, oh, I wonder, you know, what that could be or I wonder. So it's kind of dreaming, imagining and then, yeah, that's where I tend to get solutions for things or insights and stuff like that. So mm. that's probably the most apparent, sometimes out of meditation and sometimes out of dreams. Um, mm. I dream a lot. Yeah. Um, hmm. I feel like we've kind of covered the next question already, which was why you choose to train at, at Queensland Kettlebells. Because um, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And no, and it's the people, really. Yeah. It's the people. I enjoy what we're doing and your philosophy. And But yeah, you're right. I think we've covered that off. Yep. Yeah. No, and... The theme will always come up because at the end of the day, without having people that you find interesting, so people like Michael and Phil who are just fun to hang out with. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really hard to, to rock up day in, day out, um, unless you're a really strange creature. Uh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Like it's the thing that keeps you, yeah, it keeps me motivated. I just, wouldn't have bothered coming back if it didn't feel right. I, I, it is so easy for me to find reasons not to exercise mm. um, that, yeah, I, I, I hope that you realise just how much you've overcome by actually getting <laughs> me to, to manage so far, what, four months of consistency. <laughs> yeah, I think I was saying it to you the other day. I was, I was about to quote a conversation, but I think it was actually with you where you said that you wouldn't have come back if it wasn't for the people. And Yep. I'm pretty confident I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't have likeable people. Yeah, it was us. We were wandering around the streets looking for an ATM yeah, <laughs> yeah. or a donut, yeah. either, something, <laughs> yeah. 
an ATM yeah. that was followed by a donut, I believe, was the sequence. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's really great. I mean, for you, and it's, I mean, you really appreciate that, you know, which mm. is lovely because some people you may not even be aware of that, you know, but mm. yeah, you really get it. So what is, if you had to have a superpower, if, if it was forced upon you, what would it be? I would love the ability to live multiple lives concurrently because there's just not enough time for all the living I want to do and all of the learning I want to do in one life. So maybe either like that, you know, you get to or maybe that you have a higher awareness about multiple lives. Like if you mm. believe that we're reincarnated and we live more than one human life, you know, mm. that somehow you had a better ability to tap into enjoying all of those other things that you did um, because, yeah, like in terms of even just occupations and hobbies and stuff, like if I had my time over, I would love to be a stonemason building cathedrals or a tiler working in mosques, you know, yeah. or a translator or an author or an artist or a stained glass window, you know, maker or just a million different, different things. Or maybe even a parent. No, no, that's <laughs> never going to happen. Um, but it just, yeah, there's just, I'm, I wish there was more that I could do that. That would be my superpower, that you could somehow either tap into that stuff or just live it all in parallel, have 16 parallel lives going on where you can just do everything that your heart desires. That would be wonderful. Almost like the hive mind. Um, What's know. that? Oh, I, I imagine, like, I kind of, when I think of that, I think of, like, bees that behave individually but collectively seem to share experiences. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah, I don't know if that's actually a thing, but... I, yeah, no, I do. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, Carl Jung, it's a collective unconscious, but in mm. a very um, real way, yeah, mm. yeah, so, rather than a philosophical way. Yeah. That sounds very cool. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I... That living lives concurrently is a really cool um, thing because if you have your lives, like, on... If you just have eternal life or whatever in terms of if you just live on then you see people disappear around you. Whereas if you live a whole bunch of lives concurrently, then you are actually going to enjoy one gargantuan community. Yeah, at well, the same time, yeah. yeah. I mean, did you ever feel that, like, as you've been, like, working your way through, you know, childhood into adulthood and stuff like that, that there's, you know, there are decision points where you have to choose um, one road over the other, you know, what you're at the fork in the road and you have to choose one path, but there's grief in letting go of the other, but you can't do everything. And I've struggled with that for a long time. I've gotten better at dealing with it, but yeah, that there's, there's a grief that comes in knowing that, that you've just got to let some stuff go because then you, otherwise you, you end up paralyzed and not doing anything, you know? Yeah. So you've got to make decisions and you've got to move forward, but, um, yeah, it just, yeah, I um, I, I can't remember where I was reading it, but I think the term decision, and I, I, I remember certain points in my life um, having this experience, but the term decision is, it comes from cutting away, is, is the root of the term. Yeah, like it's an incision or, yeah, 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 yeah I yeah. can see that. So yeah. it's, it's deciding, so when you decide, you actually prune away everything that's not the course of action that you, cho you choose to take. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do remember those certain times where I grappled with something and, and had that, that, um, 
concern before making a leap. Um, yeah. But I don't... It's always okay, though, isn't it? In yeah. Don't, I'm, don't I'm you, know, you know? really yeah. quite pleased most of the time with how things shake out. Yeah. Um, which is, is nice. But there is a very real grief attached to, to deciding to go one way or another. And I, look, I have to acknowledge this is totally first world issue because, um, you know, it is such a beautiful thing that we have so much choice in our lives here. You know, in Australia, we, we, we can, like man, woman, child, we can actively choose our futures and have so many choices in our lives as opposed to just responding to circumstances around us that we have no control over. Mm. So it's, it's, I mean, I can, you know, talk about, you know, having to let shit go, but I mean, fuck, get over yourself, Marty. Like, you know, <laughs> seriously, this is this is not a major issue. You know, it's a nice problem to have. Yeah, uh, Pavel. But I don't take that for granted. You know, <laughs> um, Pavel Satsulin, who taught both uh, both um, I'm pulling a blank. Both Francis and I had he's the kettlebell. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of talks about choice anxiety and coming from Russia, and he kind of goes, "Well, look." In Russia, you go to the supermarket uh, and you get to choose whether you want coffee. You either have <laughs> coffee or you don't have coffee, and those are your choices. <laughs> That's the choice tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it is first world problems, but there's there's a certain level of, I mean, that grief attached to cutting it off is is kind of the, it's the trade off to having virtually unlimited choices. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. There you go, and and you know, as Westerners, we get to develop a whole shitload of anxiety around all of that if we really want to. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's the trade-off. <laughs> yeah. Um, work work for psychologists. <laughs> um, upcoming events for us at QKB, we have a um, a beginner workshop on Wednesday at four thirty. Uh, that's the tenth of June, May, May. We're in May. Yes, May. May, I'm with <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Nothing's it, happened to the space-time continuum since yeah, we started this okay. interview. We're still in May. We're yeah. good. Yeah. All right. The, the 10th of May um, at 4.30 at the gym. Um, and so if you happen to listen to this episode ultra quickly because you're super keen, then that will be on and... Um, and that is 147, and it's specifically focused on runners. So we're gonna gonna run through some stretches, some pardon the pun. <laughs> yeah, yep. um, and we're gonna open, do some stuff to to open up feet and calves and ankles, and then we're gonna teach some simple strength exercises that runners can do on a regular basis, runners and cyclists, um, to make sure that they get the most out of their their sport and they spend more time um, on the track. Uh, we also, uh, I'll be in New Zealand in July with an original strength event. So if you know someone over there who you think would value moving better and feeling better, please tell them about that. Uh, in terms of links and items that we mentioned in this episode, the main one is, uh, is the book, The Five Invitations. Mm-hmm. And that's from Frank Ostrowski. Ostrowski, um, and it's about living with integrity and embracing mindfulness. Um, Is that fair enough? Yep, I think it's a good deal. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been really good fun. Yeah, it has been. Thank you very much, Margie.
No dramas. Um, if you guys like what we do, please follow the podcast on iTunes, like our Facebook page and get in touch. And if you don't, please flick me an email to help make this better. Uh, thanks again, Raggy, and I'll see everyone next time. Bye.